just heard some acapella gospel from the Birmingham Sunlights. Welcome to Artworks, the program that goes behind the scenes with some of the nation's great artists to explore how art works. I'm your host, Josephine Reed. The Birmingham Sunlights are a five-man, four-part harmony acapella gospel group founded in 1978 by James Alex Taylor, along with his brothers, Steve and Barry. Wayne Williams and Bill Graves complete the picture. The Taylor brothers grew up in a musical family and developed their a cappella sound in the Church of Christ. Despite having day jobs as plumbers and pipe fitters, the Birmingham Sunlights have appeared in many festivals across the country and on State Department tours around the world. In 2009, the Birmingham Sunlights were presented with the National Heritage Fellowship. And that gave me the opportunity to speak with James and Barry Taylor about the music they love and sing so well. I started the conversation by asking for a little bit of history. Why did you start the Birmingham Sunlights? Well, I'll, I'll take that one. And that's James. Yes. Uh, the Birmingham Sunlights was started because we had a desire to sing and not an avenue. We didn't have a group to sing with. So we formed our own. The first group was Barry Taylor, my brother, Carl Smith, Eddie Washington, my brother Steve Taylor, and myself, James Taylor. So we formed the group so we could get that singing that we so desperately needed, I guess you'd say. What's the attraction to gospel singing? Gospel singing has been in our family since I was born. My grandmother had a trio my father sang in a quartet, and so did my mother. And we grew up listening to all the older guys, the Golden Gate Quartet, the uh, Fairfield Four, the Sterling Jubilees, the Soul Stirrers, the Pilgrim Travelers, the, um, just so many of them. Barry, a cappella gospel has its origins in the fact that some churches don't allow instrumental music. Is that right? That's correct, but uh, ours was not singing because of the uh, style of music we sang in church, we were influenced by other gospel groups that sang a cappella, and I just always felt that we had a, a better sound with, with no instruments. There's a history to this music. This is a music that came out of the Great Migration of African Americans to the North. Isn't that true? That's part of the history. There's uh, another part of the history that goes back even much farther than that. Uh, back to the 1800s, uh, where you ex-slaves, well, even the slaves, they would start out with choral groups, not, not large groups, uh, out of church. Then you had the smaller choral groups, and then you had the quartets that came afterwards. Uh, you had the female quartets and the male quartets. And believe it or not, uh, the female quartets were very, very strong. You got together as the Sunlights. What year was this? It's 1978, wasn't it? Yes, 1978. 1978. And what was it like when you first started singing together? It was powerful, but taking consideration that three of the Sunlights are brothers, and we've been singing together all of our lives, or listening to each other sing. And 
we we just always felt that we had something quite special because we had a sound even at a young age that we didn't hear nobody else sing. As, as a matter of fact, it was a style all of our own. My brother James and my other brother Everett used to sing uh, a cappella. Uh, Everly uh, Brothers. Uh, doing the Everly Brothers <laughs> singing. Singing has been in our blood all of our lives. And one one day, uh, shortly after I got married, my wife's mother invited us to a, a church concert where I heard the Four Eagle Gospel Singers. And man, they set my soul on fire. I left there feeling better about singing than I had ever felt in my life. But I still felt that our style was just as powerful or even more powerful when we were coming up, when we were growing up. So when we had the opportunity to, to form this quartet, it was something that I had actually dreamed about ever since I could remember singing. And we did, and we had our ups and downs, but the more we sang, the more powerful we became. And I felt that the better we sounded. By my being the eldest, uh, I was a little bit pushy. You know how big brothers are. <laughs> you know, so I wanted to sing, so they were going to sing too. So <laughs> so we, we pushed and we rehearsed, thanks to our director, James. Now, he really, he really rehearsed us. Uh, there for a while, we was rehearsing three hours a day, about three times a week. After work. I was about to say, and you all have day jobs. Yes. And then we start taking uh, classes from the older quartets, like the Sterling Jubilees, the Fairfield Four, the uh, Shelby County, Shelby Big, County Four. Big Four. And so we incorporated a lot of their styles into our singing. Because when we first started, we were singing up-tempo Jubilees types of music. But then they introduced us to that old-time Southern gospel. And well, you, could, you could just, when you sing it, you just tremble on the inside. It felt so good. Do you remember the first old-time gospel song you all sang as a quartet? I think it was If I Perish, wasn't it? No, the first old-time gospel song that we sang was taught to us by the Sterling Jubilees. And that song would be uh, When I Was a Mona. That's right. What you do that I think is so interesting is that you have traditional songs, and at the same time you also do original music as well. Absolutely, yes. The original songs are not so much on the, the traditional style, but they blend in that they're not so far away from the traditional style that they don't blend in. Uh, the, if we did an album and put some of our original songs on that, there would be a continuity there that would keep the album uh, consistent. You still have your day jobs? Yes. And it must be an incredible juggling act to find the time to devote to your music? Well, it's not really a juggling act. It's just something that we do. We do what we have to do. We all love singing with each other. I started training one of our lead singers in baritone, Wayne, when he was like 12 or 13. Uh, my younger brother, Steve, I started training him when he was about eight. I was trained by my elder sister. So it's just something that we love to do, so once we decided to do it, making the rehearsals to make it the best that it could be was a no-brainer. Who are the non-family members who are part of the Birmingham Sunlights? That would be Wayne Williams and Bill Graves. 
Did you all know them for a long time before they joined you? Well, I've known Wayne since Wayne was a little boy. I actually started working with Wayne when he was 12. Uh, Bill, I met Bill about 15 years ago. We have one more member who started with us uh, in the beginning. His name is Reginald Spate. He left the group about eight years ago because of his wife had a very bad illness. He expressed interest in coming back to the group about three or four weeks ago. Yeah. Now, he's a very powerful first tenor, so he'll be rejoining the group. Where did you get the name The Sunlights? What we did, everyone put their own name in a basket. Uh, my name was the uh, Winston Harmonaires. <laughs> but that's what I wanted the group to be called. <laughs> the Birmingham Sunlights just so happened to be the one that Barry put in. <laughs> I think he fixed the basket. <laughs> I was but, looking through I was looking through a, a songbook as we were looking for names and I saw the name Sunlight. So I says, Well, it's five of us and re radiate light through the music, so I'll just say Sunlights. Now, originally, it didn't start out being the Birmingham Sunlights. It was just the Sunlights. And uh, to be all done, I think my brother James added the Birmingham. But, uh, yeah, that I'm, I'm still disappointed over the list. <laughs> yeah, still holding on just a little bit. But it's fun. I, I, yeah, I do love to talk about that. Because you all have day jobs, performing must be be a little bit difficult because you can't travel a lot, I'm assuming. No, it's not. It hasn't been hard for me at all. As a matter of fact, I'll be retired in less than six months. When we first started, we were all in business. We didn't have day jobs. But during the time we first started, the economy got real bad, so we took day jobs. Uh, most of us are master plumbers and master gas fitters. And I had a very good supervisor. He says, uh, if you got the time, you, you can take off or you can take off without pay. So we never missed a concert because of a day job. Yeah. Never. So we, we have been very fortunate in that respect. Mm -hmm. What about the younger generation? Will your families keep this tradition going? Well, Barry's youngest son, Brandon, is also a member of the group now. Uh, he doesn't travel with us just yet, but soon to come. My oldest son, Caesar, is also a member of the group. Uh, we'll be traveling uh, with the Sunlights maybe in a year or so. And my grandson, Messiah, wants to be the group's first tenor. Mind you, he's only 12, so he's going to grow out of that first tenor. Huh? <laughs> I'm almost sure of that. When you started out, did you ever think you'd have this kind of success? Uh, no, I really didn't because, let, let me rephrase that, or let me, let, let me retract that. I knew that there was very good talent in the group. I knew that, and I knew that we were going to do something very special because of that talent. Now, at the time we started, I didn't know exactly to what level or to what extent we would be successful. But as fate would have it, we've met some very, very interesting people who found us quite interesting as well and uh, have given us opportunities to present our talents on uh, many different uh, avenues. Do you have an audience that goes across the generations? Uh, yes. You know, we've done uh, workshops, and most of our workshops have been done either on college campuses or in um, elementary schools or middle schools. 
one middle school in, in Hoover, Alabama, for about 10 years running, we had to go to that school every year uh, to perform for those kids. So, yes. And then, as a matter of fact, all over the state of Alabama and uh, some in Mississippi, if, if my memory serves me right. And then everybody likes good singing. <laughs> so, so the audience will be there. You've been doing this for a long time. What keeps you guys motivated? Well, by us having day jobs, we were able to feed our families, so we were able to fulfill our dream singing. It's not something that any, any of us ever thought about doing is giving up because we, we were trained and we uh, had an avenue that we could travel to take care of our families. We did not have to depend on music to support our families. Music was just uh, something extra that something we enjoyed. Something extra, right, uh-huh. An outlet. Can you remember back to the first concert that you gave and mm. describe what that was like? <laughs> yes. Let me, let, let me do this right here. Our very first concert we did for the family at our church. We went to our church and we did the concert because we had to try our sound out on the family, and they were just ecstatic. That second concert we did was in, was it in Ohio? It was in uh, Dayton, Dayton, Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. And we blew the curtains off the wall. Blew the curtains off the wall. Wow. We were young and strong and had that hippity hop in our voice. And of course, we still got the hippity hop, but our voices are more <laughs> mature now. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing I want to ask you because 31 years have gone by. What stayed the same and what shifted as well? Well, because you are older. Yes, uh, well, they are. Um, you notice I said they. <laughs> Some people are forever young. That's right. The thing about that is when we were younger, we may have been stronger, and our voices may have been lighter. But as the years go by, the more you do something, the better you get at it. Our voices are stronger now. They're more mature now. We sound more like mature it's that sound that I've been waiting for for like 20 years. It's finally here. But I'm also noticing that that sound, that mature sound that we want, well, only comes with age. And with that sound comes the ailments as well. So I love the sound, not so much the ailments. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree, Barry? I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, we sound... The word that I would use would be fuller. We resonate better, and I'm a lot more comfortable singing. There was a time when I would be nervous about going on stage, but now I don't care how large the concert, once my foot hits the first step, well then I'm ready to go. I'm ready to sing because I know that we've put a lot of time in it. We're well rehearsed, and we, we have the sound that we want the sound that we like and the sound that excites people and that gives us the energy to get out there to give to the public and thus far they give us back just as much energy as uh, we give them and we enjoy that that's a very big turn on to us okay as you think about all the years that you've been singing is there any one performance that jumps out at you that you especially remember well to me, one of the first ones was the, the, the one that we, did in, that we did in Dayton, Ohio. Mind you, that we were 
singing for the Church of Christ, who are a very starched set of people who just sit up and very seldom do they clap their hands. That's right. And these people, the la- some of the ladies were fainting. They started shouting. It was as though we were in a Baptist church. That's right. <laughs> I said, man, did you see that? I said, if the rest of the United States knew that these people up here were shouting and they, they'd kick them out of the brotherhood. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. So I, I felt that if we could get the Church of Christ people that excited, where they could just let themselves loose and enjoy themselves and be happy, that we had something that uh, uh, that was very, very special. Why keep it within this circle right here when we can give it to everybody, to let everybody enjoy it? And I'll tell you something about that, that particular concert. Uh, we did something that night that we haven't done since. We ended our show by leaving the stage and walking through the auditorium to the back. And we were singing and walking to, towards the back. And I looked back, and there was, was about 100 people coming down the aisles right behind us, singing, singing the same song, or singing along with us. That was exciting. <laughs> you know, you know you, you've got your step that you're using. It kind of threw me off step because I, I heard all these voices, and I thought they were still sitting in their seats. And when I looked around and saw that they were coming down the aisle behind us, got off my step a little bit, but it only took me a fraction of a second to get back on it. And uh, that concert uh, that we did in Memphis, Tennessee, we did seven songs, got five standing ovations. Rufus Thomas came up and gave us a special thanks. There were several others there that came up because they hadn't heard that good old-fashioned a cappella Southern Gospel. He said he hadn't heard it in so many years and how refreshed he was. And it uplifted our spirits. I've heard you You say to people, okay, who are the singers in the audience? And sometimes you call them up on the stage to sing with you. Yes. That's uh, when I've gone the last mile of the way. Uh, that's done by, well, originally by Sam Cooke and the Soul Stirs. That's an avenue that we use. That's a song that we use to get the audience involved. And if, if there's someone in the audience who feels like they want to sing and sing along with us, we give them that opportunity so that they can participate. We like doing that very much because you, you'd be surprised at how many gifted singers are out there in the audience listening to you. We are people's people. We don't mind mingling with the audience. So, and uh, once we finish the concert, if, if they want us to, we'll come back out and we'll mingle with the crowd and uh, sign autographs. Uh, we enjoy people. We love people. And, yes. And, yeah. and we do that basically every concert. Every concert. What went through your mind when you found out you won a National Heritage Fellowship? I couldn't believe it. Neither could I. <laughs> Just plain, downright He didn't ecstatic. believe it. I called James and told James, and uh, it was like, yeah, right. I said, no, no. And we, they called me and told me that we had actually won the award. So I don't think it sank in. Then it, it began to sink in, and then, you know, we all got excited, and, uh, and from there, it's, it's been building every day. Are your parents still alive? My mother is still alive. My father's deceased. He, uh, my father passed in seven, 1973 in the, in the group 
was not formed until 1978, so mm-hmm. he never got a chance. So he didn't get a chance, but your mother has. Mm-hmm. And She's one of our biggest supporters. What did your mother say when she found out you won the award? She had been praying for it for years. Yeah. Before we go, let's hear one of your songs. Let's listen to It's Gonna Rain. What I'd like to do is listen to the song and then have you talk about it. So this is from a live performance that you guys gave in 2000 in Montgomery, Alabama, and it was recorded by Steve Greenberger. Well, said it's going to rain, children. God's going to send the water from Zion. Lord, he's going to raise the heavens up higher. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Said it's going to rain. God's going to send the water from Zion, my Lord. He's going to raise the heaven up higher. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Now, wait a minute. God got angry upon his throne. The angels up in heaven, they began to moan. He said, go down, angels, stir up a flood. Blow out the jungle, take a boat to blow. Then come back, angels, and bar the door. I declare my time shall be no more. They tell me, great God, when it started to rain, the wind. They battled on the door, said, look, I hear Noah, can you take on the board? But Noah said, I'm sorry, my friend, but God's got the key and you can't wait. It's going to rain, children, God's going to send the water from Zion, my Lord. He's going to raise the heaven up higher, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. Said, it's going to rain, children, God's going to send the water from Zion, my Lord. He's going to raise the heaven up higher, it's going to rain. It's gonna rain. Now wait a minute. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights without stopping. Noah got worried cause the rain kept on dropping. The wind did blow and the ark did rock. But old Noah, he couldn't find nowhere to dock. So he sent out a raven. He sent out a dove. But the water great God kept on coming from above. God spoke to Noah. He whispered low. He said, look a hill, Noah. Just as soon as my heavenly water stopped Then God showed Noah the rainbow sign Said it won't be water but fire next time It's gonna rain, yeah, it's gonna rain down here Send the water from Zion Raise the heaven up higher It's gonna rain, it's gonna rain Said it's gonna Said it won't be water. It won't be water, my dear sisters and brothers. But it's gonna be fire. Thank you. Okay. That was fantastic. Tell us about the song. That was uh, a rap song from back in the late 1800s, 1862-63. I did the very first verse in the old traditional rap, and I did the second verse in the new, in the new millennium rap. It's a favorite. It's, it's a favorite everywhere we go.
Barry, you look like you have something you want to say. Well, it's uh, it's one of my mother's favorite songs. She loves to hear it. I think every time she's in the audience, she could listen at it two or three times a concert. That's a great song. That song, by it being a traditional rap, and then James incorporated today's rap, we were able to cross the age lines. And uh, that, that song has been very popular for the sunlights yeah. right now, huh? Thank you so much. My very, very warm congratulations. It's such a well-deserved honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And uh, let me say again that the hospitality here has been outstanding. Thank you. I come to the garden of That was James and Barry Taylor. They're members of the Birmingham Sunlights. The Birmingham Sunlights were named National Heritage Fellows in 2009. You've been listening to Artworks, produced at the National Endowment for the Arts. Pepper Smith was the assistant producer. The Artworks podcast is posted every Thursday at www.arts.gov. Next week, jazz master David Baker. To find out how artworks in communities across the country, keep checking the Artworks blog or follow us at NEA Arts on Twitter. For the National Endowment for the Arts, I'm Josephine Reed. Thanks for listening.